Good afternoon, everyone. We welcome you to another episode of the Going Places podcast. Of course, your host, Camden Clark here. And uh, it's good to be back. This is our first episode of the new year. We took a little bit of time off for the holidays and uh, uh, work on some stuff that you'll be seeing soon. But uh, we're glad to be back. And uh, we have a very special episode today. I'm really looking forward to talking with this gentleman today. Uh, he's somebody uh, from my community that uh, is involved in a lot of different things and has truly just had a very uh, wonderful life. Uh, he is a doctor of family medicine. He is a writer and author of several books. He is a minister, and he is the host of the More Than Medicine podcast, Dr. Robert Jackson. Dr. Jackson, thank you for being with us this morning. Camden, I'm delighted to be on your program. It's my privilege, and it's my honor. Well, thank you very much, sir. We're glad to have you. So, um, I guess, you know, you asked where you could begin. Uh, give yourself a little bit of an introduction. I know I did there, but there might have been some things that I left out or that you'd like to detail on. Tell us about who you are and what you do. Well, people ask me what I do, Camden, and I laughingly tell them that I'm an ROCD. That's a regular old country doctor. <laughs> That's I, a good one. I've been, I've been doing hatching, patching, matching, and dispatching for 42 years. I take care of folks from the cradle to the grave. I quit, doing, uh, del- I quit delivering babies 24 years ago. But I did deliver babies for 20 plus years. Wow. And uh, But I, I do family medicine and I love practicing medicine. And I tell my, my patients that it's the best gig in town because all my patients become my friends. Mm. My friends come to see me and they pay me to come see me. Ah, how about that? <laughs> That's a good one. That's good. <laughs> so I love what I do and uh, actually... Uh, I view my medical practice as ministry because I've been a Christian since I was 11 years old and mm. uh, the Lord really began to work in my heart when I was in college and began to show me that my responsibility as a Christian was to minister in the lives of the people around me. And when I was in medical school, I began to understand that, that medicine for me was not about making money. It was more than just providing for my family, but it was a venue for ministering to the people that God brought into my medical practice. And I love ministering to my patients. I love being a servant to my patients, providing for their medical needs, helping them get connected with the services that they need in the community, connecting with the specialist that they need, the physical therapy that they need, uh, and more than anything, I love sharing the gospel with my patients. I love providing biblical counseling with my patients. And that's what really turns my crank, uh, Camden, is when I'm able to talk to a patient about their spiritual needs. And, and of course, I don't get to talk to everybody because I'm a busy guy and, yeah. and there are time constraints. But every week... Uh, I'll, I'll get to share the gospel with somebody. I'll get to pray with somebody. And I'll get to talk a few minutes about biblical principles of life with one of my patients. And because that my patients become my friends, they're usually very willing to accept from me my perspective on, on biblical principles yeah. and how that applies to the issues of their life. And so 
uh, it's just a delight to to view medicine as ministry. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I think that's that is truly just an amazing outlook to have on that. I don't think there's a a ton of people in the medical uh, field who might have that outlook, but I tell you, you know, something that I think of, uh, you know, you're not just working on the physical body we have now, but ultimately trying to help the spiritual aspect of it as well. That's right. That's right. And of course, that's not just in my medical practice, but everywhere I go, I'm always wanting to lift up the name of Jesus, always wanting to bring glory to the true king. Yeah. And I, I, I go on mission trips twice a year. I go to right now I'm going to Mexico. I've been to probably 15 different countries around the world. And I've been on dozens and dozens of mission trips uh, since 1985, I think, was my first mission trip. Uh, but right now I go to mission, to Mexico, to the Yucatan Peninsula. I go there twice a year for Bible teaching and, and disciple making. And I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. Um, so, you know, missions and ministry is, is really what I'm all about. I like to teach Sunday school. Right now I teach third grade boys in Sunday school. I have about 15 of them in a Sunday school class. Mm. And I teach every Sunday, and I enjoy that. I also sing in the choir at my church and um, thoroughly enjoy that. I have a discipleship group of four men that meet with me once a week for uh, discipling. So I got a lot going on. And of course, you mentioned writing books. I like to write write books. I just finished my fourth book. Um, uh, just actually published it about two months, maybe three months ago. It's a biography about my father. Mm. It's entitled "On Laughter Silvered Wings." My father was a decorated Vietnam War veteran family doctor. Uh, he was uh, just a good God-fearing Christian man and social activist, and his life was very colorful. And so I wrote a book about him and published that just three months ago. Folks can find it on Amazon, or they can go to Jackson Family Ministry, which is my website, and just send me a message, and I would be glad to mail them a copy of that book. So anyway, that's just one of my books. I got three others, and they can find information about my other books at Jackson Family Ministry. But I, but I stay busy. I really enjoy writing books, Camden. Yeah. And I, I try to write a book about every year or every other year. Um, and by, you know, Bible teaching is my forte. I, I started when I was about nineteen with with Bible teaching. Of course, I wasn't very good at it at that time, <laughs> yeah. but but I got to start at it, and I've been teaching the Bible for forty plus years, wow. and and um, that's really my forte. That's that's what my heartbeat is. That's excellent. And when I started my own podcast three and a half years ago, that's really what I wanted primarily to do was to teach the Bible, but people contacted me then because of the COVID crisis uh, and wanted my perspective on COVID. Yeah. And so I ended up doing a lot of podcasts about COVID, the lockdowns, the vaccines, the masking, and, and people wanted to know my perspective about all of those things. So I, I began to insert podcasts about all things COVID 
Um, and then I began to branch off into other political, cultural, and religious uh, issues. And so about a year and a half ago, I actually decided to divide my More Than Medicine podcast into two. So now, Camden, what I do is I have a podcast every Wednesday that's a strict Bible teaching podcast. Yes. It's called Devotions with Dr. Papa. Mm-hmm. That's, what my, that's what my grandkids call me, Dr. <laughs> Papa. So I, so I do a, a Bible teaching every Wednesday. And then on Saturday, I drop a podcast that's a commentary on cultural, political, and religious issues. And, um, and I, I try to interview interesting people uh, so that it's not just me uh, pontificating every Saturday. I, I'm, no. I'm sure people probably get tired of just hearing me talk. So I try to interview uh, congressmen and senators and pastors and authors and things like that yeah. um, so that it's a variety of subjects and personalities. Well, kind of like you're interviewing me today. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I try to interview different people uh, so that it makes more than medicine uh, have a, a lot of variety in it. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I've listened to your podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know you're going through the book of Daniel right now and the Bible teaching, but and then you cover all those other subjects. But that's similar to what I do. But just from you going over these kind of briefly, I mean, you that sounds like just a wonderful life. And, uh, you know, you can tell that God is using you and your family uh, for good things. And, I mean, I think of the world service when that comes to your mind. You know, the world ministry means service. So, you know, there, there's yes. a lot of that going on. So that is beautiful. Well, and the Lord's blessed me with a big family. You know, yeah. i got nine children. Yeah. I have two special needs boys, John Richard and Thomas, and the Lord has taught us a lot uh, because of, you know, the issues that they have and having to serve them and take care of them, and there's a big learning curve associated with that. And uh, we have 17 grandchildren and another one on the way uh, later this year. Yeah. And that is such a delight. Grandchildren are such a blessing. I just can't tell you how much uh, loving on those grandchildren blesses me. Oh. And um, so anyway, God, is, God has blessed me more than I deserve. And I, I, I can't say, I can't thank the Lord enough for all of my precious children and all of my precious grandchildren and my beautiful bride, Miss Carlotta. Yes. Um, She's, she's an amazing mom, an amazing grandmother, and she's so talented. She, you know, she sews yes. and makes, she makes clothes for all the grandchildren, and she plays the piano. In fact, that's how I met her. Uh, she played the piano for me when I was taking voice lessons way back in college, and um, she played the piano for me for about two and a half or three months, and I had to ask her out about six or eight times before she <laughs> finally agreed to go out with me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, staple assistant. Uh, and she's been playing the piano for me now for 45 years, and uh, she now plays the piano for New Prospect Baptist Church up there on Highway 9 and Highway 11. Yeah. And... Uh, she just loves playing the piano, and I still love to, to lay on the couch in the living room and listen to her play the piano and practice 
Practice, practice, practice. She's always practicing. Yeah, that's amazing. I got to meet her when I was at your house. She was just so kind and just welcoming and just great. And and your whole family was. And you know yeah. that that was that was part of the reason that you know really uh, drew me into uh, what you guys were doing and all that. One question I wanted to ask you: How did you get into the medical field? Was that something you started off early in uh, college that you just uh, had a desire to do? Is that where you felt well, the Lord you know, was leading? My dad was a family doctor, and I observed who he was, how he was loved by the community, and how much he loved taking care of his patients. Mm-hmm. And I knew from an early age that I loved the medical sciences. Mm-hmm. And I would often go to the hospital and the emergency room with my dad. And, you know, back in the 60s, you could do that. And we lived in a very small rural community. And I would tag along with him to the hospital and the emergency room. And, you know, my dad taught me how to suture and how to take care of uh, patients when I was in high school. I, <laughs> you yeah. know, he would, he would take me to the emergency room and, and I would sew up drunks in the emergency room on the weekends when I was in high school. And back in the 60s, you could get away with stuff like that in rural hospitals. Oh, yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, I just, I just grew up helping him take care of his patients. And uh, and his patients would call our house all hours of the night and day, and they would tell me all their medical problems. Yeah. And I wasn't even the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was so crazy. And uh, they called me Little Doc all my life oh, yeah. growing up. But I knew from an early age, Camden, that I wanted to be a doctor. And that was non-negotiable. I mean, there was no doubt about it. I knew that God was calling me to be a doctor. And when I was in college, um, I began to be a Bible teacher. I began to be an evangelist. And I remember two different times my dad called me in and said, Son, do you think that God might be calling you to be a pastor or maybe go to Bible school? And I looked at him and I said, Dad, no, no, no. I know that God has called me to be a doctor. That mm. is my passion. That's what I always wanted to be, and that's what I'm going to do. Yes. And I appreciated him opening the door for me to do something else and that he wasn't pushing me to be a doctor. But all my from my childhood up, I always knew that I wanted to be a doctor, and that's what God was calling me to do. And I've never doubted it. Now, I love teaching the Bible. I love preaching the Word. I love standing in the pulpit and and teaching slash preaching the Word. I love going on the mission field and preaching the Bible. But my passion is taking care of patients day in and day out. Been doing it for 42 years, and I wouldn't have lived my life any other way. Man, that's amazing. I tell you what, if you can disown that calling that the Lord has for you early on, and, you know, let him lead you into that path. That is just an amazing thing. That's something I'm trying to uh, figure out right now as I'm getting ready to, you know, finish up the school and different things like that. You know, I've, I've definitely, especially in the last year, definitely felt the Lord uh, drawing me into ministry and different things like that. But I have many different uh, passions and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to stay obedient to what the Lord would have me do. That's right. Exactly. Well, you find what you love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life. Hey, that's right. I've held that. That's phenomenal. 
So one thing while we're on the subject of medicine I wanted to ask you about, you know, you do talk a lot about, especially during the pandemic, about a lot of the different issues with uh, COVID from everything from the ineffectiveness of the lockdowns and uh, the different uh, vaccinations and all things like that, but also uh, talked about uh, the uh, results of things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, different things like that, that was really uh, shut down during the uh, pandemic by the, I guess what you call the media and the big pharmacy and all those different things. So during that time, let's, you know, flashback three or four years from now, or three or four years ago, uh, how did you all handle that? How was that in the medical community when there was pretty much one narrative that was being pushed and anything that was an outlier of that was uh, kind of thrown away? How do you uh, how did you navigate that? Well, it's interesting because as soon as the vaccines were being pushed, you know, first of all, I never recommend a brand new vaccine to my patients until it's been on the market for a year. Yeah, that's always been my policy for a new medication or a new vaccine because I've been doing this 40 plus years and I've seen multiple medications and multiple vaccines recalled within the first year because of adverse side effects. So when the COVID vaccine was being pushed, I told my patients, do not take it until it's been on the market for a year. Give it time to see if it's going to have adverse effects. Well, my patients trusted me and most of them did not take the vaccine, even though there was a lot of fear about COVID, they trusted my judgment. Yes. Well, within six months of that vaccine being released, there were uh, warning signs and there were people experiencing blood clots, early strokes, heart attacks, unexplained sudden death. Mm, yeah. And now the media was not covering that, but the alternative media was yes and i was hearing reports from our local emergency room personnel of young people coming in the emergency room with unexplained early heart attacks early strokes and blood clots well that confirmed for me the reports that i was hearing from the alternative media and so I doubled down and told my patients, do not take that vaccine. I do not think it's trustworthy or reliable. It's not safe and effective like the media and Dr. Fauci is telling you. Yes. Well, as time went on, my suspicions were confirmed. The alternative media's message was confirmed. And it turned out that that vaccine was actually not safe or effective, especially for young people especially athletic young people who might develop myocarditis. Mm, yeah. Well, when you talk about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, um, I began to see and research what was happening in other countries. And I realized that there were multiple other countries that were distributing ivermectin to the general population and their rates of COVID deaths were plummeting yes. to almost zero. Um, and so I, I began to say to myself, if these countries are experiencing such a good success with ivermectin, the same thing would happen here. So I began to prescribe ivermectin to my patients. And I'll have you know that I only lost three patients 
And those three patients came to me late. All of my patients who took ivermectin early on survived, and none of them went into the hospital. I had three patients who died, but they came to me after having COVID for two weeks, and they were deathly ill, and I could not rescue them. But all of my patients who came to me early, even if they had, you know, COPD, diabetes, obesity, hypertension, all the risk factors, if they contacted me early on and I was able to give them ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, it really didn't matter which. And this was back during the Delta variant that was so severe. If I was able to treat them early with ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine plus zinc plus vitamin c plus vitamin d you understand all the regimen yes all of my patients survived and i was so delighted with the good and positive results that we were receiving yes so anyway i I was convinced that it worked and, and 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 listen even after i get home from work my driveway in front of my house would be filled with people lined up in the circle in front of my house, people who heard that I was willing to treat COVID with an alternative medicine. Yeah. People I didn't, didn't even know. They just got the word out. And, and I would come home from work, and there would be a line of cars in my driveway wow. with people wanting me to treat them with ivermectin. And, and, I mean, I was delighted to treat them. I just wanted people to get well, Cam, and I wanted people to survive. Yes. And I was I was just blessed to be able to help people out. Man, that is that is amazing. I'm I'm so glad that that was able to happen, but you know, I remember that time and there was just so much uh negativity going on. So I'm glad that you were able to provide some positive results for uh your people and I wish that that was something that was I wish that uh I guess the media and the industry wasn't so uh corrupt that they wouldn't uh talk about that more. They, I mean, they pushed one narrative, and if you went outside of that, you were kind of X'd out. Well, you're right. There was a media narrative that was false, and there was a media narrative that was pejorative towards doctors who were willing to prescribe alternative medications, and that was very unfortunate because there were a lot of patients who were unnecessarily sick or unnecessarily died during the Delta variant. And uh, I'm sad for those families. I really am. Yes. So one more question, uh, medical-related. What would you say has been one of the biggest blessings or one of the uh, greatest stories that you've uh, experienced during your time uh, practicing medicine with people? In all of my medical career? Yes. All time. That's a big question, Camden. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to think about that a minute. All right. Biggest, the biggest lesson, biggest story. Refine that question for me a minute. The biggest, the the uh, thing that uh, meant the most to you, the biggest blessing, or the biggest, uh, yeah, the biggest lesson, or the uh, time when you were really able to just see something amazing. Uh, that's easy. That's easy. Delivering yes. babies. Oh wow! Yeah, when I bet. I was, when I was delivering babies, I, I think that seeing a little baby come into the world. You know, taking care of the moms for, for nine months and, and, and seeing them be, be so healthy and so happy and so excited and then being there to deliver that little baby into the world 
and then lay that baby on the mom's abdomen and see her cry with joy and the tears run down her face yes. and see her husband start laughing and, and be able to clip the umbilical cord and then wipe that baby off and lay him in, her, in the mother's arms. That brought me more joy, Camden, than probably anything that I ever did wow. in my medical practice. I'm telling you, that was the most fun. And, and I really hated when I quit delivering babies. I, I loved providing maternal care. And then to see the moms come in with their new babies and, and provide uh, neonatal care to the moms and the babies, and I would always pray over them. When they would come back to my office for the first visit, I would have a, a prayer that I would pray with the moms and their little new baby. And, and they would always want to take a picture of me and the baby, and I kept a big bulletin board, a cork board, and I would put pictures of, of me holding the baby up on the board. And I had a, I had a couple of hundred pictures of, of me and, and the little babies that I delivered, and it was so much fun. Yeah, and uh, I, I'll just tell you right now, that was probably the highlight of of my medical careers is delivering babies. Yes, <laughs> that sounds just man, that's beautiful, and just to get to experience that and to see life so up close like that. And you know, I know that uh, the issue of life is something that's very important to you. You know, you've written a book about the pro life uh, issue that uh, is one of your other books that you've written, and also about um, you know, well, obviously, first book was the Family Doctor Speaks: The Truth About Life. Yes. And I, I have spoken in churches and public venues for nearly 40 years uh, about pro-life issues. And for many, many years, people said to me, Dr. Jackson, you need to write a book. Yeah. And probably, I don't know, 12 years or so ago, I finally sat down and I wrote down all the experiences that I've had with my patients uh, about pro-life issues. Uh, the, the, the teenage moms, the unwanted pregnancies, the unplanned pregnancies, the rape and incest issues, yeah. uh, handicapped children issues. I, I wrote all those stories, and then I put into each story the biblical and the medical issues. Yes. And, uh, and it turned into a very, very good book, and I probably sold 5,000 copies of that book. Wow, and um, and it's still selling. I mean, every time I speak somewhere, uh, I'll sell ten or fifteen copies of that particular book. It's and amazing. If your listeners want a copy. All they gotta do is contact Jackson Family Ministry, and we'll send them a copy. They're about fifteen dollars. Yes. And and I'm planning on doing a revision of it here in the near future, and I'm gonna add four or five more chapters, and I'm gonna call it more truth about life. Um, but I'm still working on that, Cam, and I hadn't got it finished yet. Yes, well, that is amazing, and I tell you, that's such an important issue, not just uh, from a spiritual perspective, but also just the world that we live in today, especially post uh, Roe v. Wade. That's such an important issue, but it's so important to tell the truth, especially as Christians, and especially as someone in the medical field like yourself, to really tell the truth about that and to uh, be a witness to that. So that's amazing. And surely, you know, for you personally, it has a lot of personal uh, aspects of it as well. As a father of nine kids, obviously, that's uh, you're a big believer in the beauty of life. So that's amazing. I, yeah. I commend you yeah. for that. We value having children. We believe when the scripture says that, that children are, are a gift from God and blessed is the man whose quiver is full. We believe every word of that. Absolutely. That's one thing I want to ask you. What would you say 
uh, has been the biggest lesson from having nine kids that that has taught you and what's been the uh, one of the greatest things about fatherhood? Well, I, you know, I believe that children are a gift from God. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And blessed is the man whose quiver is full. All of those things are true. Yes. And, and you know, I have lots of patients, Camden, that, that have no children. Mm-hmm. They're elderly. They have no children. They may have one or two children, but their children live far away in another state. Mm-hmm. And I ask my patients all the time, who takes care of you when you're sick? Yeah. And they look at me and they, they say, I have no one. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I say, well, do you belong to a church? And they said, no. And I said, well, who's going to who's gonna take care of you if you have to go in the hospital or if you're very ill? And they, they said, no one. And it just hurts my heart, Camden, yeah. so much. And I, I know when I'm old and, and feeble, I've got seven healthy children that will take care of me. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it blessed is the man whose quiver is full. That's and right. I, my heart hurts for my senior citizen patients who do not have a gaggle of children to look after them, who live close to them. And so, and, and the other lesson I've learned is that, is that the more children they have, the more service. You have to have a servant's heart. Yes. Because... You have to serve your children, and even when they're older and move out of the house, you still have to be a servant and a counselor to your children. Yeah. And and but you know, Jesus said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And the more you and I serve, the more we become like Jesus. And having a, a house full of kids makes you die to yourself and learn how to be a servant. Yes. And you see, the more children you have, the more you have to be like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. The more you have to serve those children. And you see, a bunch of kids makes you die to yourself. Mm-hmm. It makes you be more like Jesus. And so I, I think that having nine kids, especially two special needs kids, mm-hmm. taught me and my wife how to be servants. And, I, you know, being a servant doesn't come natural. Right. You know, you have to die to yourself and you have to put on your humble shirt and you have to learn how to be a servant. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think that's just a great lesson for me and my wife uh, in having that many kids. And, and, I, and I don't resist that. You know, I love my kids. Yeah. And I love serving my kids. And, uh, and if it makes me more like Jesus, then fine. I need that. <laughs> Absolutely. I need that. And I think that we live in a time, especially the way society is driven now, where having kids or having a bunch of children is kind of found upon in a way where we kind of, you know, look at it like, oh, you, you know, you shouldn't do that. There's this kind of child-free movement that's going on that I think is really dangerous if you look at in terms of, you know, the population uh, decline we'll see. And I think that's really frightening. But I'm glad that uh, you or uh, – uh, being fruitful and you know like it says you know quiverful arrows i love that so i commend you for that once again that's respectable thank you sir you might kind thank you very much so uh one final thing and i know that you know uh as far as time goes but one thing i wanted to ask you was uh what would you say obviously you travel all over the place spun the gospel bible teaching 
uh, I'd like to talk about the Lord a little bit more. What would you say, uh, you know, in all this time that you've spent uh, preaching and, 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 and teaching and uh, getting into the Bible, tell me a little bit about that more again and about how much, uh, you know, how important the Word of God is and uh, sharing that through ministry. Oh, man, let me tell you. I really started loving the Word of God when I was 19 years old. Yes. I was in a discipleship group when I was in college. And a guy named Ralph Vick took me under his wing and began to disciple me as a college student. And he began to encourage me to memorize scripture. And I'll tell you, Camden, God just put in my heart a love for his word. Yes. And I began reading the word, studying the word, and memorizing scripture as a 19-year-old boy. And that habit has stayed with me ever since. Mm. And I've made it a habit to spend 30 minutes to an hour uh, reading the Word, meditating on the Word, and memorizing Scripture ever since then. And and, I've, and I still do it. I mean, I, I get up at 5 o'clock every morning just so I can have an hour and a half, just me and God's Word, reading it, meditating on it, taking notes, and and preparing I don't know if you remember a long time ago, Rush Limbaugh used to say that life yes. is show prep. Mm. Life is show prep. Well, for me, life is Bible study. Now, for me, I have a podcast, I have a Sunday school lesson, I have a discipleship group, and I have patients that need biblical counseling. Absolutely. So every day is show prep. Every day is preparation for the podcast, for the Sunday school class, for the discipleship group, and for ministry to my patients and my family. But where does it start? It starts at 5 a.m. when I open that Bible, and I talk to Jesus, and he talks to me. Wow. And, and, and it's a lost day when I don't have a good time over the Word of God and listening to him talk to me, and I get to talk to him. That's exactly right. I think that, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I got saved when I was a, you know, a very young child, but I would say it's probably been the last year or two that I've really just understood the importance of the Word of God and, and, and taking my relationship with God more seriously and just truly surrendering it all to Him in my life. So I would say that, you know, probably the last year I'm about finished uh, reading the Bible through and through from beginning to end. I started that about a year ago, and it took me about a year. But I did not really start doing that up until about a year ago. I would read every once in a while, but the more I took my relationship with God seriously, the more I wanted to read. And just like you said, when you at one nineteen, I've just fallen in love with the world. I hear you. Well, ever since since I was nineteen, I've read the Bible through once a year. Yeah. And so I'm I'm sixty eight now. So ever how many years that is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've read the Bible once a year, ever since I was nineteen. And I can tell you, I know the characters, I know the, the stories, I know the parables, I know the principles, and, and I, I, just, I just can't love it. I love it more and more every day. That is amazing. I do, I do too, and I hope that uh, once I get uh, to be an adult that I'm as uh, mature in you as far as being disciplined and the scriptures and all that, I, I tell you what, that is just uh, very inspiring to hear and to hear that from someone. Well, thank you. Long time ago, I heard a, a quote 
that, and I don't know who it was in reference to, but it said that when you, if you cut him, he would bleed scripture. Mm. And when I heard that, I said, oh, I want that to be true of me, that if yes. you cut me, I would bleed scripture. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That is amazing. I tell you what, that is something I would encourage everyone to take seriously. I want to be that way too. I truly do, Dr. Jackson. Well, thank you so much for uh, calling today. It has truly been a blessing to talk to you today. Uh, I would. Do you have any uh, advice for me? I usually like to ask the uh, guests if they have any advice for me, whether it be with the podcast, whether it be in life in general, personally, uh, with ministry, anything. Well, you know, uh, my advice to, to young guys always is abide in the Word, yeah. be disciplined in the Word, abide in prayer, uh, be faithful in a local Christian community in a church and find an accountability partner yeah find you a god-fearing christian man that you have to run to keep up with yes i've had a couple of guys like that in my life that i looked up to that i had to run to keep up with them and they inspired me they challenged me and then be a reader readers are leaders Cam and i read two to four books a month mm. Uh, sometimes they're Christian books, sometimes they're political commentaries, uh, sometimes they're biographies, but uh, I have an extensive library, and I read constantly, and uh, that will uh, stand you in good stead and prepare in your mind. And, uh, you know, I, I, television will turn your brain to mush, so stay yeah. away from TV. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's I what, agree. That's what I tell my kids. Yeah, that's right. Man, that is amazing. I tell you what, that is that's good stuff. I'll definitely uh abide by that. Thank you so much. It's just been an honor to talk to you today. It's been great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your time and I'm honored to be on your program. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye now.